What's up, everybody? Welcome to Studio Wesley Annex, the audiovisual podcast where we talk about the lectionary texts of the week. As always, I'm here with some wonderful people. Sydney, how's it going? I'm good. How are you, Mike? I'm doing great. What, what, I was trying to relate my energy this morning to that like chaotic good model thing that is hard to understand. I don't know. I think it's chaotic good right now. That's the energy I'm feeling. Uh, Josh, how's it going? Doing great. Uh, Michael, I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad you're here. And Allison, how's it going? You know, I think it's going as good as it can be for a grad school student halfway through the semester. So you know, I can't oh, complain no. that much. You don't, but <laughs> typically no midterms in grad school. Is that right? Yeah, not midterms, but there's usually like bigger papers or projects or like part one of a project where part two is like the final. So just things like yeah. that. Josh, do you have any midterms going on? No, I was going to say I, I don't do papers. So, oh. Um, I've got actually have two midterms next week on Thursday, calculus three and <laughs> physics with calculus two. I so like I'm excited. Are, I, excited. No, yeah, not excited. No. <laughs> I, I, I felt that. I felt that from your face. It was like, uh huh. Yeah, here they they're coming. Here they're coming. They are uh, coming. <laughs> um, awesome, awesome. Josh, do you want to open us up in prayer before we get rolling here? All right. Yeah, I can do that. All right, dear God, thank you for bringing us all here together. Um, I pray for good Wi-Fi, good connection, and I play, pray for good spiritual connection um, as we look over these texts together and really dissect their meaning. Amen. We really don't pray for good connection enough. I know. Well, I was just saying that. No, that's a good. That's a good. That's a good ask. <laughs> um, I just disconnected earlier. So. Preface to this episode: We literally all hopped on this this call and we're like. These are hard. These are hard this week. <laughs> like, so maybe, and maybe it's that, that's the midterm energy. We're just like in the middle of a season. So we're all like, oh God, or they're just really hard. But uh, hopefully, you know, we got this. Um, that being said, Allison, you get to start us off with the hard texts. Let's you ready? do it. Take Never, it away. But we're good. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I have um, one Thessalonians, one, one through 10. Um, I did think it was funny because I feel like every time I get annex verses, it's like bits and pieces of like random, you know, things, but it's the whole thing this time. Um, and like Mike said, I read this so many times and every time I was like, I am not comprehending a word of this. Um, so it took me a while to get here. I found a friend, you know, we're here. I have all the things. So um Overall, like a lot of this text is they're speaking on like, you know, the faithfulness of the people talking about how they all have those deep convictions, you know, how they can be imitators of God, how they are imitators of God, um, um, how they found joy, you know, through God, even though there was like all the great, all this great suffering happening. Um, and that kind of led them to be an example throughout all of, like, I'm not, I don't, I never say names right in the Bible, but Macedonia and Achaia, I'm gonna go with that. Um I'm specifically going to evoke the words. I'm specifically going to focus on verse six, though. Um, and it says, this is the Common English Bible. And it says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord when you accepted the message that came from the Holy Spirit with joy in spite of great suffering. Um, so the whole passage kind of speaks on this, like, it mentions joy a lot and faithfulness a lot. Um, and it mentions it, it mentions it, <laughs> it mentions it even in context of, like, finding that joy and being faithful, even in times of like distress or suffering, like throughout it. Um, and so I pulled this verse specifically just because I, I tend to try to focus on that a lot of like finding the joy, even when like 
um, you're swamped with stuff or you're stuck in the bad place or your head's just not in it. Um, and I think it's important to kind of make those connections in the Bible. So like, you know, as college students, how do we find joy when we are under the pressure of like stress and midterms? Um, it's funny that we just talked about in the opening because I had already planned to talk about that in my notes. Um, you know, we typically turn to our friends, our community, activities that we enjoy, things to kind of pull us out of it a little bit, you know, to give us breaks. Or hopefully we do, but sometimes we're so stressed, maybe it's hard to do that. Um, and I think that's why it's so important to have those people around you while you're in college. Um, just so they have like that support and that joy. You can constantly have that connection, even in like those times of huge distress. Um, and then like personally, I like to focus on, you know, little things. So midterms are here, but it rained yesterday. That was really cool. I love rain. There was like a little bit of joy there. And so I think that's kind of like what we can pull out of this text is like finding joy, even in the midst of all that stress. I specifically love that you mentioned finding joy in, in rain, Allison, because that's like, the image that we traditionally associate with like sadness, like sadness and sorrow, make it rainy outside. That's what the filmmakers do. Um, so I love that that's, that's your image. Cause I feel like that that's like the perfect metaphor for what you're saying. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like the polar opposite of most people. So like you're having a bad day and it rains and you're like, Oh man, just one more thing. I'm like, Oh my God, it's raining. <laughs> like I'm complete opposite of most people when it rains. I stood outside in the rain outside of one of my classes like a week ago. So that's all. That's all I'm going to throw in here. Well, I okay. Wait, let me add one more thing. I uh, um, as I'm reading this verse that you're talking about, the imitators of us in the Lord. Um, you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering. I like. I do think. I think it's interesting that, like, finding joy amidst suffering makes us imitators of the Lord. Like that. That literally just stuck out to me. I was like, I was like, is that like, is that what God's like doing twenty four seven? He's like. <laughs> like amidst the suffering and stuff, finding joy. I don't know. That's, that's just interesting how, what that looks like on a, on a godly level. But anyways. Yeah. I liked what you said, kind of just being an optimist rather than a pessimist and making, uh, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And so for them, you know, they look, it's probably like the early church. So they've got certain struggles that's going on and for them to take the bad and look at the good and really just give thanks. Um, it kind of starts off with always thank God. I just kind of be always thank God. That's what kind of stuck to me about always, really always thanking God. I don't know so sure um, if I can do that all the time. So that was especially just, this is just a great example. I think early as an early church. Yes. Hi. Thank you, Allison. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I feel so like, out of it today but um yeah I, I I like this passage I think I struggle with the concept of like it being a godly thing to like find joy in suffering not because like it's bad to find joy in suffering but because that I feel like sometimes get gets misconstrued into like toxic positivity of like you know, if you're spiritual, if you're enlightened, then that means that you don't feel bad things or whatever. But I think also something that helps give more context in this verse is in, in verse five, when it says, um, you're so verse four, you are loved by God. And we know that he has chosen you. Uh, we know this because our good news didn't come to you just in speech, but also with the power and the Holy Spirit with deep conviction. And so when I when I think about the good news, I obviously think about the gospel and I think about 
what the good news is and that it's not just simply like finding joy, but it's, it's like the deep understanding that when we are in deep suffering, that all is being redeemed through the life of Jesus, you know? And so it's like, yes, we find joy in that, but it's also just like a deep trust that like, though I'm in deep suffering because of the Holy Spirit, I can lean in and trust that this is all part of the process. This is all being redeemed. This is all being resurrected with Jesus. And so, and then that, and then with that, we get this joy. So it's not just joy for joy's sake. It's joy because of this like good news, you know, this, the gospel. Um, and so, yeah, thank you, Allison. And with that, we're rolling right into Old Testament with Josh. Josh, you ready? Yes, I'm ready. So I had Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 through 23. And so my first impression of this text, when I read over the first time, is that I was really impressed um, with the humility that Moses portrayed. You can kind of tell just kind of by the dialogue that's going on that uh, Moses trusts in God a lot more than he trusts in himself. Um, they really understands that he's second command here in this relationship. So that was kind of interesting. But then after I looked at it some more, I read it over again and I looked, kind of put it into context. Some of the chapters before and after this, um, it almost seems like Moses, I don't want to say like afraid or fearful is like a strong word, but you can kind of tell just looking by the conversation that God looks a little bit annoyed with Moses. Um, Moses is asking the same question over and over again, and God's just giving the same answer. And so I like this question. It's a pretty common one. I feel like it's something that a lot of Christians struggle with. Um, it's kind of this, this question of, um, you know, God, God's asking him to believe and trust in him, um, even though he can't see him. Um, I think especially in or when you're like just starting out as a Christian, you know, we hear the gospel, we hear the good news that Jesus loves them. But we often find it hard to accept that love and fully trust because it's coming it's coming from something that we can't see. And so, see, I think in verses 13, uh, Moses really highlights this. He says, kind of acknowledges the imbalance of this relationship that's going on. He says, um, where is it? That God is saying to trust and believe in him. Um, because he sees them, you know, you can see the assurance that he's giving them. He's like, I know you, Moses, you're a great guy. You're a great leader. Moses is like, yeah, that's great, but I don't know you. Um, and so he kind of asked, you know, to see God. And what's interesting, um, it's kind of God's response to this is so simple. But I think as humans, we have really a hard time accepting it. Uh, it says in verse 20, it says, but the Lord said, you can't see my face because no one can see me and live. Um, and I, I think as humans are like, oh, what? We can't live. Like, are you serious right now, God? Um, but I think we often, it's, while it's very simple, it's, it's very true. We often just gloss over how powerful God is um, and who he is as creator of the world. And that his power is so unimaginable and that his holy presence is kind of inconceivable. Um, that we can't, our, our mortal eyes can't process that. And while it sounds kind of cheesy, it's true. Um, so that's just kind of one thing I took away. And I also think it's important to just kind of see the compromise that God made. This is really, especially in the, the early Bible, and this is the, 
second book, I think for me, especially I see God as old Testament God, you know, he's sometimes also angry. I guess you could say that word, but he's definitely is willing to use his power in ways sometimes that we wouldn't like. And so for him to compromise here, um, it's just, I think it's huge. Just such an early example of the kind of God that we're worshiping. And even later on this, this scenario for he, he comes down to God, comes down to Moses. And then after that, he gives him something tangible, something that he can't see in the 10 commandments. So that's kind of what I took away. Um, yeah, I thank you, Joshua. That actually really helped me bring so much context to this. Um, to this text because I was like reading it earlier and having kind of like I felt like a roadblock with it but um something about the way that you were kind of like bringing like so much like uh a nuance like Moses is experiencing in this moment felt so like relatable like it almost kind of like in the text sounds like Moses was like insecure or <laughs> like kind of like insecure that like God, if like I'm really like your person, like <laughs> why can't I see you? You know, like and it's like that's relatable. That's like a really relatable experience. I think also specifically for people like myself who are not mystics, like I don't have very many mystical experiences in my religious and spiritual life. I know some people do. That's not something I've been gifted with. I'm not having visions I'm not hearing God's voice and growing up that was so I was so insecure about that I was like all my friends are like so spiritual and I feel like I just am not getting it and then it's also like it's almost like in this moment it's like yes God is so powerful and that's why we can't see God but also God's like you don't need to see me my face to know how much I love you and trust you and that I'm guiding you and I'm with you and like you know, like, I don't need to be having crazy mystical experiences to know that, like, God is with me. God loves me. I'm, I have the Holy Spirit. Like, um, I don't know. That just feels very, like, a relatable experience to me. No, I, I totally agree. This, this is, like, a totally new perspective for me on this text. This is a very, like, God as a comforting persona, like, chunk, which is, like, Nice to hear in juxtaposition to some of the other stuff that we struggle with. Um, I, Sydney, I, I totally relate to what you're just what you were just saying. I like have talked about this before on an episode where it's like those. There's a type of Christian. I don't want to say type of Christian. I'm not trying to like typecast Christians or anything, but I, I've seen I've seen a, a familiarity where like some people who like um, put all the focus on on a, on like hearing God's voice and like seeing miracles and like all these things. I do think there's uh, there's a certain point where that starts to alienate others and makes others feel like less of a Christian. Not and and I don't want to discredit those people because that's I mean I'm I'm like really happy for those people like really happy for those people, but but yeah I mean when the insecurity starts flooding in as a Christian and you're like well that clearly happens so much for you and you buy into it so much why like you start to feel a lot we're like you, you feel less confident in the relationship with God that you've got established. And um, it's nice to yeah have kind of these verses directly from God saying like, Hey, your relationship is just as good. Whatever that looks like still here, still love you. So yeah, Sydney, Josh, thanks for throwing that out there. Yeah. Um, 
first just yes to everything Sydney and Mike just said on top of that, because that was like a little, I wrote, I wrote a bunch down about that as well. Um, but then also I kind of wanted to name just, I appreciate the phrase you used. Um, I think it was towards the end where you were just like, we often just gloss over how powerful God is. Um, and I think a lot of like what we're talking about is that like, yes, we can't see him, but like God is so powerful that, you know, he's moving and leading and his presence is there and just all these things that like, even though we're not seeing him, um, whether we're hearing him speak to us or whatever it is, we still know he's there because he just is that powerful. Um, and I just think, I just thought that was really beautiful the way you said it. And with that, we're going to take a break. I have no segue for this. I was like, what's the segue? I don't know. Moses. And take a break. See you soon. Hello. Hello and welcome to Studio Wesley Cafe. My name is Cindy Buchanan and I'm your host. What is Studio Wesley Cafe and what is in that mug, you ask? Both great questions. Well, first and foremost, I'm drinking a coffee with oat milk because that's my bet of choice. But more importantly, Studio Wesley Cafe is Studio Wesley's newest creation where I and special guests am going to be talking about Well, the things you might talk to your friends about over coffee. We'll be talking about music and movies, art, social media, current events. Um, I guess some might say culture. And we're going to be talking about the ways that all those things intersect with our lives as people on a spiritual journey. Does that sound like something you might be interested in listening to? I hope so. Starting September 15th, every other Friday, a new episode will drop. So grab your Bev of choice, whether it be coffee, tea, water, because we all need to stay hydrated, and join us. And we're back. We learned that Allison's turtle hates her over the break <laughs> that's the only new information. information that's not new information anybody who's been watching this episode or this show knows that um sydney god this is a horrible this is horrible coming back from a break i'm committing to it moses sydney uh songs 99 are you ready i'm ready <laughs> chaotic good take it away um i love chaos so i love all of this but Yes, I had Psalms, the Psalms text, which is Psalms 99. Um, I'm just going to read some of it for you. It's not very long, so I'm going to read most of it. Um, Verse one, the Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim, let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He's exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. The king is mighty. He loves justice. You have established equity. And Jacob, you have done what is just and right. And then moving on to verse eight. Um, Lord, our God, you answered them. You were to Israel a forgiving God, though you punished their misdeeds. 
Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. Um, I guess my big two takeaways from this passage were, one, that it, it mentions multiple times that God is reigns and exalted over all the nations. Um, so that is to say not just one, um, but all. And two, that God loves justice and equity. Um, and so with those two points, therefore, God is invested in global justice and equity and um, justice for all people. And this is such a simple truth that we are reminded of again and again in scripture, but one that we forget um, again and again. And I think especially, again, with our Western American Christian uh, lenses, like, especially with the media and what we're consuming, it is so easy to get bought into the idea as Christians that God somehow favors us or favors us and our allies over others. And I think that this is just such an incredibly dangerous um, ideology. So that's basically it for me today is that I'm just reminded to constantly be reevaluating and expanding my worldview to remember that God is a God of everyone. God wants justice for everyone. God loves everyone. Therefore, when we're engaging in political conversations, we're engaging in conversations about world issues, like for us to ever impose the idea that God is for us alone is, um, I think, incredibly dangerous. And so that's all I have to say today. It's a simple truth, but I think a really important one that we need to be reminded of, especially with some of the conversations going on online with um, wars and global conflicts and things. So, yes. Gosh, this is like one of those moments where I don't even want to, I don't even want to comment on what you just said, because I'm like, I want that to just sit there for a while. But since I have to, um, I, that like last little bit you were saying about like constantly reevaluating, expanding like your worldview, just to like, to remember, I wrote down what you just said, because I liked it a lot, to remember that um, my God is the God of everyone. Um, I think that kind of goes into the lines of like a lot of you know, being an ally, advocating, fighting for what's right, activism, all the things is like that constant reevaluation, just like you were saying, is like constantly keeping that in the front of your mind and rethinking it and um, just kind of reframing it and thinking about what's going on in the world and how that applies and all the things. So I think that was amazing. I really liked about when it says in verse four about loving justice, I was like, wow, like, I, don't know, I think love right there is a really strong word to use. Like I like justice, but to really love it, that made me kind of like challenge some of my thinking. Um, and then kind of just like, whoop. sorry, Mike just came out there. Um, for you to talk about some of the stuff online, kind of like we talked about that. For me, when I when I read this verse, 
it's gives me like a lot of peace to think, you know, that Lord, that the Lord God is above it all. Um, you know, the first, very first verse in the chapter, the Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. Um, just understanding, you know, with everything going on, that God is above it all and that he's got it and he loves justice. So don't need to worry about it too much. I mean, to a certain extent, but yeah. I'm going to go a little bit wild here, I think, but, um, because I'm not relating, uh, this is less me talking about our our scriptures and more so relating the commentary on the scriptures to each other. But um, as we were talking about Josh's texts and like this sort of indiv- the individuality of relationships with God, I do I just think there's something really cool to connect that individuality that God knows and has with us to um, God's love for justice and established equity that we're talking about here, especially in terms of the global sphere that you're talking about, Sydney, because I think, um, I think we as people ideally are constantly trying to understand um, other viewpoints, especially through like allyship and like trying to um, support other groups. We want to understand where they're coming from and what their needs actually are versus what, we think their needs are or should be. And and I just think that in context with God's all powerful nature is really cool because God's will for justice and equity, I do think is specific to, um, to the individual nature of different groups of people. It's not like God has one viewpoint of Christianity and it's the Americanized Christianity. And that is the way that the entire world must look and act. No, I think, God's Christianity and the Christianity we're looking at looks different in every culture also. And that individuality of God spreads across the globe, like you were saying, Sydney. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think that, I think that's really cool. I just wanted to talk about that for a second. Um, I'm going to keep it political because my verses feel very political. So as I segue into my stuff, uh, I just want to make that known already. So this is Matthew 22 verses 15 through 22. Um, the title of the section in some Bibles is called Paying the Imperial Tax to Caesar. So the story that's happening um, is some Pharisees come up to Jesus and uh, for all intents and purposes try to trap him um, in with a question that either way he answers will go poorly. So the question is, hey, uh, oh God, uh, tell us, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or nah? And the thought being, you know, if Jesus says, uh, yeah, well, sorry, uh, this is not the translation I want to, I want to go off of the statement. Is it lawful? That's just different, but, um, is it lawful to pay the tax to Caesar? And if he says yes, then he's undermining like, um, these large groups of people that are being, um, kind of oppressed by Rome and Caesar at the time. And if he says no, then they now have rights to basically, um, punish Jesus and put him on trial on his people because of, because of that exact statement, right? That's not allowed. So um, the reason I say that this is political, well, one, it just is political in the context of the actual story, right? This is political for the time being because um, Rome kind of has, in my understanding, power, full power over Judea. And these, these taxes are put on anybody. Like if you're coming to Passover, you're paying a lot of taxes. You're paying taxes all the time. You're paying taxes to Caesar. So um, for Jesus to answer this question, it's a political question and they're trying to find reason to say, Hey, you're going against the politics of the time. Uh, we're going to punish you. So political in nature for the context. Um, and then 
also political because this, at least in my research, again, these were hard texts, so I had to do a little bit of a deep dive. Um, this text is oftentimes used, at least in what I've been hearing, as um, as a political motivated text. So some people will use this passage to say, hey, look, it's proof that God and politics should be kept totally separate. Um, and then other people use it as a way saying, uh, uh, Jesus doesn't care about your money. Other people use it as a way of saying that um, Jesus taught us that the law is the law because at the end of this, Jesus says, uh, give to Caesar what Caesar's give to God, what's God's. And people use that as a way of saying like, see, Jesus is pro doing the law. And we're going to say, I don't know. There's a lot of political chargedness here. Um, one thing I'm just going to start reading my notes because now my brain's going off the wire here. Uh, one thing at least seems clear. Jesus is not, um, Oh, okay. Yes. So, um, in past scriptures of Matthew, um, Jesus is always putting a clear distinction on not separating our human, um, attachment to things. So like if you're going to have all focus on God and God's going to be the soul of everything, um, Jesus is not going to then also promote you taking part of that and putting it into something else like money or like law. And and then this becomes a passage about like idolatry. Um, there's like historical reviewers on this that say like the coin that Jesus is holding again in the story, they give him a coin say, what do you think of this? Jesus is like flipping the coin through his fingers and he's like, um, yeah, Basically, why uh, why do we why why do we care? This is really all you have to ask me about right now is this coin, this money. Like you don't have bigger things to ask about. And then Jesus's response to them is basically like, "I could care less about this money. Sure, do what you want with it. Give money to Caesar, um, but give God what's God's." And I I view this as like Jesus saying, "This is not important because God is everything for me. God is everything. So why do I care about?" what people do with their money. Sure. Pay taxes, whatever. I don't care. God's like everything. And it, and trying to connect that back to what I was saying is like, I don't think Jesus is, is pro us splitting our, our human like loyalty anywhere. It's like, if God's the source of everything, then the, these other pieces will work, work themselves out through our relationship with God versus like, us being like, oh, well, half of my way, weight is in money. Half my weight is in God. Half my weight is in this other thing. Um, kind of talking about these false idols at the time, which makes sense because in context, Rome was, I think Rome was kind of known for that, like um, putting all their mental capacity and all these fake idols and everything. There was one review that, or response that I read that said, for all intents and purposes, this coin that Jesus is holding even has like specific reference to like political culture of like false idols and stuff. So yeah, all that to say, summing this up, way sporadic uh, response to this is that, yeah, I think if uh, if your whole life is centered around God and um, this relationship with God, then there's nothing that can um, dislodge, displace, or challenge challenge you in any way. So this like question that they pose to Jesus to try to trip him up, he can't be tripped up because his entire focus is on God. Sorry, that was like really disjointed hopefully there are some thoughts in there that you guys can respond to <laughs> there definitely were a lot of thoughts uh mike thanks for sharing that was like you obviously did a lot of research which um i usually don't do a lot of research so i respect that um <laughs> i 
Yeah, you're right. There is like so much to unpack here. Because it's like, I think, especially in the Christianity and evangelicalism, and in specifically like the theology of like, um, oh, what do they call it? The idea that like, if you're a good Christian, God's going to like bless you with money. There's a specific theological term for this idea. Um, and I think that's like a really interesting, like all these kinds of ways that we connect our faith to the way that we engage with money and the ways that we engage with our government. Like we always are making all these connections and, um, it's like, you're right. There is no way to like separate them. Like, but they're, but they are separate, but they're not, you know what I mean? And I feel like this is one of those moments where Jesus is like, this is such a small question. Like, this isn't the question you need to be asking. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this is not the question. And, and it's, and it's not that there are bad questions, but it definitely is the intent of the question was not to actually learn and grow. It was to prove that there are like holes in the logic or something, which is something we love to do. Um, <clears throat> anyways, yeah, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And it's like, you're right, Mike, if our whole being is focused on loving and focused on learning the ways of Jesus and is focused on using our money in ways that honors God and is focused on whatever, like pay your tax. Like it doesn't matter if you pay your tax. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's just such a small, like, um, insignificant thing. And also like, I love this practical response because to me, it's so like, Jesus is like, I'm not asking you to stop participating in your society. You know what I mean? Like being a follower of me doesn't mean that you have to completely withdraw from your society and stop paying taxes and stop doing this. And like, that's not what Jesus is asking. Jesus is asking us to do that and be a person and be in our society, be in our communities, participate and follow Jesus, like both of them. So I don't know. There's a lot there. Yeah, Sydney, I liked, uh, like, at the very end, what you're talking about, the balance of being a functioning member of society and a good Christian and trying to hold those two ideas together and be both. Um, it can, like, be easy but also, like, hard at the same time, depending on what kind of day it is and what you're going through. Um, and I like, Michael, how you just kind of took this head on. It's like, yes, this is political. Because if I did this, I was like, yeah, it's political, but I'm not going to go there. I like how you just, like, went there laid it out, didn't dry high anything. Um, yeah, kind of just echoing what Cindy just said. That's all I really got. Yeah, I also appreciated like the straight up, yes, this is political, we're going for this and we're going to have this discussion right now. That was phenomenal. Um, I think out of everything though, obviously there was, there was a lot. And so my brain's like, pick one thing to talk about. I think one of the things that stood out to me, um, at one point you were talking about like, you know, it's a specific verse that could be used to like, some people are like, oh, this is proof that God and politics should be separate. So people are like, actually it says this and God is law. And that just means, and so like that difference of like the way that one text is being used in two different contexts, not contexts, in two different ways for opposite things. I don't know what word I'm trying to find there and we're going to move on. Um, and so 
I think it was interesting because I also kind of got my brain thinking about like that whole thing where like some texts are just like historically used to harm people, you know? Um, and it like goes into that, like where some people read that text, they're like that they say, you know, this is exactly what this means. And it means these things should not happen where others are like, mm, actually I read that text and that's not what it says at all. Um, and so that like, that, that like difference of like, yes, just those texts that are used to harm people and how like two different groups of people, people are reading them two different ways and using them in different ways. Um, and so I thought that was kind of like an interesting connection. Yeah. Sorry, just to, to tack on one little bit at the end. And please, somebody respond to this because I, I don't want to be the last person to talk on this. Um, but like, I, I, I can't help but specifically like note this conversation around taxes and Christianity because, you know, when we're talking about healthcare, and again, I don't want to get I mean, it's political, but um, I don't want to get too political. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we just should. But like, if my understanding of history is correct, like a lot of early hospitals were Christian funded, right? Like just well-off Christian people like started these hospitals to provide healthcare for people that couldn't afford it. And then now we're in a place where, where taxes are put towards, you know, healthcare and stuff. And I'm like, how can you say that like, these things should be kept separate when like, if, if we are living the loving lives that like God wants for us and like God expects for us, then ideally we would just be supporting one another in general, you know? So there is, there is a direct co correlation because I mean, sorry, I, I don't know really exactly how I'm articulating this, but I'm like, I'm like this basic idea of like, giving to of like giving to your neighbor and like providing support for others and like just just helping people in generally that that comes from a relationship with god and that is like what a lot of like these structures that we're talking about when we're talking about politics do so i don't know does that make sense i don't know. that definitely makes sense mike and there's again there's so many different ways that you can like that one ending statement like give to caesar what is caesar's give to god what is god's and it's like there's so much to impact just there, right? Because it's like, when I'm advocating for me personally, and I'm not afraid to make things political, advocating for universal health care, which I do, I'm doing that because I believe in people's rights to get their needs met, right? And I do that because I believe that I love people. I should be loving people and I should be putting people's needs above you know, profit and da 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 da. And these all things kind of strive from my religious and spiritual beliefs. And so it's like, that is also giving to God what is God's, but that's also can be giving to Caesar what is Caesar's, giving my money to the government, which I don't always love doing. But it's just like, there is so much there. And again, I feel like Jesus's response is really like, that was a dumb question. There's so many better questions we could be asking. You know what I mean? There's so many more ways that we could be analyzing the way that our religious practice aligns with the way that we spend our money, engage with money as a concept and government as a concept. All right. I am going to leave it there this time because that's awesome, Sydney. Thank you. Um, I am now going to ask Sydney if you will close us in prayer. Uh, just to wrap this up, put a nice little neat bow on our really difficult day of texts and scriptures. Yeah, let's pray. Um, God, we are grateful for this day. Um, every day is a new day, and we're grateful for this day specifically, what we're going to experience, what we've learned. Um, 
we're just grateful that we get to be together and um, that we get to be in your presence. And God, I pray that um, we would continue to think about the things we've discussed and heard from each other today, that we would continue to honor each other's different perspectives and expand our worldviews and our views of scripture, um, and that we would do all of this with um, love at the center um, of it all. I pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. This has been Studio Wesley Annex. <laughs> Until next time, y'all. Moses. I had to throw that in there. One more time. <laughs> All right. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.